Hi, and welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, music, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. We are living in an unprecedented and challenging time, but we invite you to listen in and be encouraged as we fight through this together. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's great to be together again on a Sunday morning. I know it's cold outside. I hope you're keeping warm. Uh, We're in the middle of winter right now, but you know, spring is not that far off. And Lord willing, we'll be outside meeting and and perhaps even in a building at some point here soon. But for now, it's great to be together Mm -hmm. just like this. Uh, You know, this last month, uh, we've been talking a lot about renewing our faith and why that's so important. So what is faith anyway? We we have to look at Hebrews 11 at least one time this month if we're going to talk about faith. So here it is. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Mm -hmm. And so really the way I see faith is it's a belief, but a very strong belief that there's a lot more to life and who we are in this life than what meets the eye. And so by that, I mean, there's a lot more than just what we see. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people who don't live by faith, they live by what's right in front of them. They live by the here and now. And and that can be a lot of things. It's your job, it's your career, it's, you know, it's your, your, your daily grind, it's maybe the stuff that you have in the world. And the problem with that is, is that the here and now is always changing. Yeah. The economy changes, relationships change, trends change, politics change. Really, everything changes. Things are always changing. In fact, the way I see it, the only thing in this world that never changes mm. is the fact that things are always changing. Right. <laughs> so when it, when it comes to your foundation, and if your foundation is only in those things that change, then you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. You're that house that's built on the sand. You're the, the wave tossed by the sea. You're the leaf just blowing in the wind. Mm. And so I think you get the picture here. But the truth is, there is no stability in this life without faith. That's right. And for as ambiguous or as mysterious as we might think it seems, faith is actually the only thing that will keep you grounded. Mm -hmm. But to do that, we've got to demystify it. Yeah. You know, faith can be complicated. Mm. And uh, for me... Faith becomes real uh, when I read the truths that are in the scriptures, you know, because there's so much tossed at us that I have to constantly go back to my Bible and and make a decision. It's a decision, really, to believe what it says. To me, that that makes my faith real. You know, my faith is the most precious thing that I have, uh, and I need to protect it, and I need to fight for it. uh, Because there's a spiritual battle going on, Mm -hmm. and, and I think we all feel it. Uh, and especially right now, there's just so many different things coming at us that there's a battle for us to doubt. You know, I know there's a battle for me to doubt God's power in situations and, and to really believe that he's got my back and he will come through. Mm, that's right. And, you know, my faith gets strengthened when I go back in my mind and I just review, you know, all mm. the ways that God has worked in mm. my life. Yeah. And then I think about the people around me and, and how God has worked in their mm. life and And that helps me to build and strengthen my faith. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also staying rooted in the word. That kind of, to me, is like how I cement my faith. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I I can look at how God's worked, and I can look at other people, and then 
I can go in the scriptures and they match, that really builds my faith. You know, there's a scripture in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 24, and it says, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. You know, it's, it's not about what I do, uh, but it's believing in what he will do. And I know right now I'm trying to battle through just, hey, you know, do I really believe you will come through God? And that's test that tests my faith because God wants to see is my is my faith genuine. So I'm actually really looking forward to today's message, you know, about faith and and learning. We never we've never learned everything about faith. To learn more today from what Jeff has to share and what he's seen in the scriptures, and, and let those scriptures really speak to my heart. So let, let's open our hearts today. Amen. Thanks. Faith to me has one main piece that. If we miss, we never really get it. But when we have that important piece, we do get it. And the results can be amazing. That, that one piece is surrender. And so I want to take a look at this idea of surrender today through the eyes of Abraham. Let's be turning over to Genesis chapter 22. And uh, we're going to pick this up, Genesis 22, beginning in verse 1. I'm just going to start. You'll catch up with me later. We're going to be in Genesis 22 quite a bit today. So once you get there, bookmark it, put your finger in there or something, but we'll be spending most of our time in Genesis 22. All right, so Genesis 22, we're going to begin in verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Now, that's quite challenging, right? I think we'd all agree with that. Abraham, though, he's a man that was known by his faith, right? So different Bible characters have different attributes. We, you know, we look at their steadfastness or we look at their drive or whatever it might be. But when you think about Abraham, pretty much what comes to mind is he was a man of faith. And that faith mainly revolves around the birth of his son, Isaac. Now, for any Jewish man, having a son was absolutely everything to you. You had to have a son to, to keep your lineage going and to keep your name going. And so every Jewish male looked forward to the day when they would have that son. But it turns out with Abraham, he and his wife, Sarah, were getting older and older and older. And uh, this hope of having a son was fading pretty fast. So God makes him a promise. And he says, you know, Abraham, not only will you have a son in your old age, but through that son, the family of God is going to be born. And they will number greater than the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And so sure enough, just as was promised, when Abraham was 99 years old, God grants him that promise. He has, he has that son. And that's pretty amazing at 99 to be able to have a son. But God said, you know what? That's the promise. That's what you're going to get. And that's the thing he really wanted. Did you ever want something really, really bad as a kid? And you thought, man, I don't know. There's just no way I'm ever going to get that, you know, but it was just a dream of yours. You saw it on TV or advertised someplace. It's like, man, I really want that thing. I remember when I was a kid, this was like mid 60s. So I don't know, maybe I was like seven, eight years old, I think. And I remember seeing an advertisement on TV 
for a secret Sam attache case. Now, if you're my age, you know what I'm talking about. If not, look it up. There's actually a really funny video about it on YouTube. But I wanted this secret Sam attache case. And what it was was, you know, this was in the era of uh, Mission Impossible. And so it was like a spy attache case. And it had all kinds of really cool things in it, a periscope that you could, you know, look over a ledge at people. It had a you know, stuff you wouldn't see today. It had like a little gun and a missile launcher and, uh, you know, all kinds of cool little things, a Morse code key, which was totally useless. Uh, and then it would also shot little missiles through the case that you could send to your friends. But the, the coolest part, the absolute coolest part of the Secret Sam attache case was that it had a camera and it had a little lens in the side of the case. So a little button that you could take pictures from the attache case, or you could take the camera out. The tricky part though, was getting your parents to buy the film and then getting it developed, which somehow never seemed to happen. But it was cool to know that you at least had that camera in there. So that was my thing. I bet you had yours. There was that one thing that you really wanted and, and hopefully you got it at some point. But you know what the bigger thing is? It's a relationship with God. It's a seat in God's kingdom. And I remember when that happened for me, May 19th, 1985, I had been studying the Bible. My life was going nowhere. I knew it was going nowhere. I know I needed help. I know I needed, knew I needed something. And a couple of guys in the New York City Church of Christ studied the Bible with me uh, over a period of many, many weeks. And I saw it. And uh, I got baptized. And uh, you know, here I am. I, I've never left. I've never wanted to leave. There is no better faith builder than coming into the kingdom of God. And there's no better faith keeper than learning the power of submission and surrender. So for all the depth of his faith in seeing that promise of Isaac fulfilled, it was this, this test of his faith that would challenge his surrender. And it would ultimately show the quality and how genuine Abraham's faith was. And so we look at these couple of scriptures that we've just read. What's, what's going on here? It's an it's a interesting story. God had just blessed him with everything he ever wanted. And now this. Why? And why would Abraham even consider this? Because not only was Isaac his promised son, but Isaac was also the promised for the nation. And so this whole thing didn't make any sense. Yet from what we see, Abraham was on board with it. Why is that? Let's go ahead and take a look at that. Look at all the promises that God's fulfilled for you. I mean, just being a Christian, being, being in the kingdom of God is amazing. And look at what God has done for you in your life. I mean, God has literally moved heaven and earth for you. And, and yeah, maybe it's not been perfect. I know it hasn't been for me and it never will be perfect. But look at how much God has blessed you in this life. Look at all the doors that God has opened for you. You know, we, we love it when things are going really well. And I think for most of us, we're generally a lot more faithful when things are going well and we're not under too much pressure. We see God working. We appreciate God working. Oh, God's doing amazing things. Look at this. Look at that. Look at this door. Look at that door. Look at all these great things that are going on in my life. But then comes the test. And for everybody, there is a test. And you might be thinking, well, you know, a test. I've had many tests. Well, probably so. 
And for as long as you're alive, you're going to continue to be tested. But that test can come in so many different ways and different forms. That test can come through your family. It can come through your job, your career, your health. It can come through your marriage and your family, your relationships. Sometimes that test will attack your integrity or your morals or your security or your confidence. However it comes, whenever it comes, you can bet that it's going to come. And whenever we're tested, there's always that moment. What will I do? How am I going to respond to this? So Abraham, he had that moment. He had that test. What did he do with it? Let's read on a bit further in verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey, and he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in a distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and he said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. I mean, what a moment that must have been. Because Isaac is clueless, right? So he's got the wood and, you know, we, sometimes we wonder, well, I wonder how old Isaac was. I mean, he's carrying a load of wood. So my guess is he was at least a teen, you know, maybe a little younger, who knows. But I mean, he certainly wasn't like four or five years old. He's carrying wood. But he's clueless as to what's going on. They're, they're going up for what he thinks is a pretty routine ritual that they did, you know, many, many times before. Abraham, however, knows exactly what's going on. And as they were trudging along, what got Abraham up that hill? Well, it's very simple, but very difficult. And it was trust. It's simple because trust is really just a decision that we make, right? So trust is saying, I'm going to, to let go and I'm going to put my belief or my faith or my confidence in, in somebody else or something else. So it's really just a decision. But it's difficult because it demands that we surrender. Have you ever done a trust fall, right, where you're like standing like I am and there's people behind you and in a trust fall, you just have to fall back. You can't see the people behind you, but you trust that they're going to catch you. But part of that requires a surrender. I'm going to just let go of you know whatever it is, and I'm going to fall back and trust that they're going to be there for me. And so I think about Abraham and the tremendous amount of surrender it must have taken for him to go up that hill with his son, knowing exactly what God had told him to do. And Abraham had to take all of his thoughts and his fears and his, his anxieties and his pain and maybe even his doubts. And he had to hand all of those over to God and he had to trust. And I imagine he was probably thinking in his mind as he's going up that hill, 
God knows something that I don't. And somehow, God will provide. Now, you look back in verse 5. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we'll come back to you. You know, I think one of the biggest struggles that we have as Christians is surrender. Now, I know we have many struggles because it's not an easy life. But this, this notion of just letting go and giving things to God, because we love to, to take control. We love to be in control of things. We want to have this, I can do it, I can deal with it. You know, it's up to me, I'm my own man, I'm my own woman, I can, I can figure this out. But this idea of just surrendering completely into God's hands is really difficult for a lot of us. And that, that, that letting go and stepping out on faith is, is so essential. We need to have faith in God's word and God's promises and God's plan and God's sovereignty and God's care and God's prov providence. And, and that's not easy. We have a challenge with that. We even have a challenge sometimes with our, our faith in people that God has put into our lives. And sometimes that can be the most difficult, just having the faith and the trust and the surrender to the people that, that God has put around you that love you and care for you. We might even say, I fully trust in God, but I don't trust people, even the godly people that are in my life. And that's not right either. But you look at verse 5, it's interesting, because even Abraham had to, had to trust the guy with the donkey, right? Stay here with the donkey so that when I get back, I'll have a donkey. What if Abraham got back and, and the guy was gone and the, and the donkey was gone? There'd be no donkey. You got to have a donkey. So he trusted. You stay here with the donkey. But that brings up another interesting point here in verse 5. Because he says, we will worship and we will come back. That's very interesting. You think, wait, what? How could that be? Because God already said, no, you go up on that hill and you sacrifice your son. So then you would think there'd be no we coming back. You know, why didn't he say to the servant, hey, look, you stay here with the donkey because we're going to be going up here, but I'll be coming back with the donkey. But he didn't say that. He said, we will come back. God just told him, go and kill your son. And he didn't give him another option. That was the plan. So what was Abraham thinking? He says, okay, I'm going to fully surrender this to God, and I'm going to trust that somehow we will both come back. So servant, keep the donkey running because we will both need it when we come back. Now imagine if you had that level of surrender. I mean, how much would that renew your faith? So what is it for you? What fears, what anxieties, what doubts, what critical thoughts, what selfish thoughts, what prideful thoughts? What lines have you drawn or what lines have you maybe allowed to be drawn to where you won't surrender fully and trust in God? Because whatever it is, you've got to fix it or you will never have real faith. Jesus makes that pretty clear if you want to be a disciple, right? And in Luke 14, 33, he says, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have, 
cannot be my disciple. So Jesus makes it clear. You've got to surrender everything if you're going to follow me. So what's he talking about? Well, let me give you a hint. He's not talking about your car. He's not talking about your home. He's not talking about your job or your money. The truth is, he doesn't need or want any of those things. But what he wants is you. Jesus wants all of you. With no conditions, no compromise, no holding back, and no negotiating. Now, Jesus is fully aware of, of how difficult this can be sometimes, right? Because look at the garden. I mean, when Jesus was in the garden, right, he was like literally sweating blood, okay? Because he was in anguish over the fact that, man, I'm about to go be crucified on a cross. Do I want to do that? No. Would I rather get out of this? Yes. He even prayed, if there's any other way for this, you know, salvation to come without me drinking this cup, which means going to the cross, please let it be done. But then he says, your will, not mine. So what do you see there? Well, that's that's classic example and probably the best example of surrender. God, you know what I want, but really what's most important right now is what you want. So that's exactly what he does. He just surrenders to God. And, and, and of course, we know how the story went. He ultimately was crucified on the cross. And this whole idea of surrender, I think this is the message that, that Abraham was getting. And so we pick up the story now in verse 9. When they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there, and he arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac, and he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now, I'll stop right there for a moment, because you just have to get this like image in your mind. This is not a baby, you know, like thinking this is fun. Like, oh, this is so cool. I'm going to, you know, see what it's like to, to be on a pile of wood. I mean, this is like a, a you know, maybe a teen. And... Abraham is like, you know, binding him with rope or, or whatever they had. And, you know, the, this Isaac is probably wondering what is going on here. But obviously he's beginning to get the picture that, you know, hey, <laughs> this is not going the way that I thought it would. He bound his son Isaac and he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, and I've got to believe that he responded immediately with a shout at the top of his lungs. There was going to be no question or doubt that he heard that, that angel, and that angel was going to hear him, right? So he didn't whisper, shh, I'm over here. No, he yelled it, here I am. And so he gets this message, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. Now, again, I've got this image in my mind. There's, you know, Isaac bound on the wood. There's Abraham with a knife. And I don't know if he was on the, the, the upstroke or the downstroke. Either way, he was going for it. And the angel stepped in at the last second and stopped it. Because God was able to see and knew he was faithful. Why? And how did he know? Because the surrender. You really have put nothing before me. I don't have to worry about, you know, is it going to be this? Is it going to be that? You put nothing before me. I see your surrender. And so I see your faith.
Don't you want God to see your faith? Of course you do. We all do. Then let him see your surrender. You can't just talk about it. You can't wish it. You can't, you can't hope for it. You've got to make a move and let go. Otherwise, your faith will never mature to a point where it's going to sustain you long term. And it will never mature to a point that when you are put to the test, you're going to stand your ground. If you don't learn to surrender, every time you're put to that test, you are going to give up and give in. And that's not going to go well for you. So with Abraham, I think he knew exactly what was going on. Even though he didn't know exactly how it was going to all play out, his faith was so rock solid because he planned right from the beginning. I'm going to surrender whatever it is to God and I'm going to trust. Pick up the story of verse 13. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. So he knew, if I just let go, somehow, God's going to work this out. And remember what he said to the servant? Keep the donkey running because we will go and we will come back. And I love the way it's described in Hebrews 11, 7, uh, verse 17. Let me read this to you. Hebrews 11, 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. If you're not seeing that provision from the Lord and, and whatever that would mean or look like for you, then I want you to check your level of faith. And the way you're going to check your level of faith is to check your level of surrender. Let's close out right here in verse 15. We'll close out the story. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time, a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you've obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together for Beersheba and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. So why is, is all of this so important? It's because of what God has in store for you. The plan that God has for your life. When, when God made this really ambitious promise to Abraham that, that all the nations would be blessed through him, it was just that. Initially, it was just a promise. But it was not yet fulfilled. And God had to see, is Abraham really the right one? And is he, is he in the right place to accept it? And so he was put to the test and he passed the test. And indeed what God had promised would happen through Abraham and Isaac indeed did happen. I don't know what God has planned for your life, but I bet it's something great. 
And you might not even know what it is right now. You might not even see it. But God knows exactly what it is. In 1986, Florence and I left careers that we had been dreaming about for probably most of our lives. And it was really difficult for, for her and for me to, to leave those careers and make a decision to go into the ministry full time. I mean, that was that was like, are you serious? We've, you know, I, I went to college for, for music. She was, you know, in New York studying theater. It's like, this is all we wanted to do since we were kids. We're going to actually let that go. I can remember that decision. I'm going to actually let go of this music career and I'm going to go into the ministry. And that was tough. But that surrender built our faith and God blessed it. And so here we are 35 years later and I look back at where we've been and I look back at what God has been able to do through us by faith for these 35 years and Lord willing for however many more years we do. It, it's mind boggling. I know surrender isn't easy, but if you want to renew your faith and, and live by faith, surrender is absolutely essential. So please, please think about these things this week as you work on your faith. And remember, there is no real faith without surrender. Amen. Thanks so much. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.